um, you just have to pause and you have to say, oh God, listen to this, oh God, we're so incredibly grateful that you've called us to be a part of a body together. And then God, we're so incredibly grateful, listen to this, that we've got to watch you work in the lives of people around us. He doesn't have to do that. We have got to watch Yahweh, the God of this universe, save individuals in our community. And I believe that that's worth getting excited about. Can we just give it up for him again as we just get ready to go tonight? It's awesome. So we have celebrated tonight uh, through baptism. We've celebrated tonight through uh, worship and singing. But I'm, I'm also excited tonight that we get to celebrate by opening the Word of God together and by seeing tonight uh, what the Lord has to teach us many, many times. We have seen, we've been talking about this tension that's created when anyone has this idea of who Jesus is and then that's challenged by whether it's a teaching of Jesus or by a conversation from someone else. It creates a certain amount of tension when we create an image that we think Jesus is or God is and then that's challenged by someone else. That's why we see many, many theological arguments in our culture today. It's because when anyone thinks that Jesus is this, and then when it's challenged, and when people begin to say, no, 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 you're missing it, Jesus is something else, or Jesus is that, then we begin to see this incredible amount of tension. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, which has been awesome, hasn't it, Dr. Luke? We're uh, over halfway through it now, probably only another four years, should be awesome. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, he, more than any other of the Synoptic Gospels, more than Matthew, more than Mark, has focused, listen, on the kingdom of God. And we've been talking about the kingdom and what it is and what it isn't. And tonight, we get to see Jesus bring to the forefront some tension that has been occurring between the Jews and Jesus when it comes to the kingdom of God. You see, if you're a Jew, many of you would have anticipated that when the Messiah would come in Scripture, even in the prophecies, talked about that he would uh, bring about a new government. You began to, in your mind, think that when the Messiah, namely Jesus, comes to this earth, that he would establish the fullness of his kingdom here and now. And so this story is going to bring up the tension between people who are believing that Jesus came to establish his kingdom here and now versus anything else. So if you guys can please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 13, verse 18. That would be amazing. I have many theories about why Luke spends so much time uh, talking about the kingdom. But I think probably the greatest is that he's writing to a man named Theophilus. Theophilus is a Roman official, a part of the, that's right, Roman Empire. So if you're a man that's a part of the Roman Empire, you've come to understand kingdoms in the terms of brick and mortar. You've come to understand kingdoms by property advance and murder to even get that and achieve that. So do you wonder that maybe a huge reason why Luke spends so much time talking about the kingdom of God would be to take this man, Theophilus, who's searching out who Jesus is and to show him the difference between the kingdom of God and the Roman Empire. Could we agree that that would bring great light for a man named Theophilus on who and what Jesus is? Verse 18 says this. Then Jesus asked himself, which I love. You guys uh, any, ever ask yourself a question, right? Like in the mirror, you're like, so, you know, just to kind of create some conversation. He, he asked himself, 
What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Now, over and over in the Gospels, we see Jesus oftentimes responding to people who have initiated with him. Uh, they'll ask him a question. Oftentimes he asks them another question, right? But here, Jesus asks himself a question with others around and then answers that same question. It should allow each of us to understand that whatever Jesus is about to say, he really wants to say. You guys, you guys with me? Whenever you ask a question and answer it for yourself, like you're not really concerned about what anyone else thinks at that point, right? Many of you do that anyway. You ask other people questions just so they'll ask you the question back. You know what I mean? You're like, so who'd you vote for yesterday? And you really don't care what they say. You're more interested in the fact that, that hopefully they'll get to ask you. So then you'll get to slam your political views or whatever it may be down their throat. Don't, don't kid yourself that many of us do that. We ask questions just so people ask us a question back. Well, Jesus here asks a question and then answer it. And he answers, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which grows to become a big tree so much so that birds would sit under its branches, which is a reference to Ezekiel chapter 17, talking about how a tree can protect birds. Yeah, but a mustard seed is one of the smallest of all seeds. So Jesus uses an image here to talk about the kingdom of God by saying it's like it's like this incredibly small seed that will become a tree. And most mustard trees uh, grow to be eight or 12 feet that it will grow from this to this and like there's this journey and this process of these two things happening and, and, and then so much so that it will become a protective tree. So much so that, that birds can perch underneath it. It begs the question, like, what is he saying here? Like, how can the kingdom be this and then all of a sudden be this? Well, he continues the parable and it will help shed some light on it. Let's look at verse 20. Again, he said, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast, and you guys, yeah, yeast, that a woman took and mixed it into a large amount of flour to make like the biggest cookie dough batch ever until it worked all through the dough. Now, if you have an ESV version or the little Greek here says three C's worth of flour, literally 50 pounds. Don't know anything about farming. A little bit more than a bushel. All right. I don't even know what that means. I just like saying it. You know what I mean? A little bit more than a bushel. My grandpa always talked in bushels, so I feel more like my grandfather now. You know what I mean? But he says the kingdom of God is like this woman who takes, listen, a little bit of yeast and it permeates itself through 50 pounds worth of worth of dough. I mean, it, it like works. It's so it begs the question, what is Jesus saying about the kingdom of God? Now, if you're waiting on the kingdom to come and you're a Jew um, and Jesus comes and he begins to say that he's the Messiah, that he's the one that you've been waiting for. Because that's that's what his message has been, right? In fact, you remember in Luke chapter four, he says, I've come to preach the good news of the what? Of the kingdom of God, for this is why I've sent. So he begins his entire ministry in Luke saying, look, I've come to preach the message of the kingdom of God. So if you're a Jew and you've been waiting for this Messiah to come who would bring this other kingdom that would finally wipe out the Roman Empire, that would finally give you peace and rest from slavery and, and you wouldn't be taxed anymore by the Romans, then I could see how you might be troubled by Jesus spending an hour with the widow. If you're a Jew, I, I can understand why you might struggle with watching Jesus walk up to a funeral procession just outside the city gates. 
and heal. In fact, bring back to life a woman, uh, a woman's own son. I, I could see how you would struggle with uh, uh, watching a woman cry at the feet of Jesus and watch this woman take her hair. And because in your mind, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, why are you spending time with Peter, James and John? Why are you spending time with this widow? Why are you spending time helping the poor? You came to establish a kingdom. And when I think of kingdoms, I, I think of this growth and expanse and brick and mortar. Why aren't you wiping people out, Jesus? Why are you spending time with the insignificant or so it seems? And Jesus says that is the kingdom. In fact, every word that he says, any red letter you see in any of the gospels is about what the kingdom is and what it looks like. Um, I fear. I fear that you and I see obedience through the lens of insignificant and significant. Let me explain what I mean. I fear that the Christian church places way more emphasis on the don'ts than we do the do's. The don'ts we write all over our walls. The don'ts, even, even something as great as do not murder. We can all understand that. That's bad. And so we escalate that to a place of significance. And say, committing adultery. And, and we could just go through some of the Ten Commandments and lying and these things. We escalate these. When what about, um, I want you to go. I want you to sell all of your possessions to the poor. And I want you to go and live in South Africa. Like, what, what about that? Or let me just even bring it more simply. I want you to go and I want you to spend a half an hour with the woman who lost her husband. And I just want you to sit there in the living room. I just want you to ask her questions. I just want you to love on her. I want you to come back the next week and pray, pray for her. Oh, we can escalate the don'ts. And in fact, like, like Jason talked talk last week, we can become so legalistic then and, and hypocritical then when other people aren't following the don'ts. But Jesus here says, hold on a second. You don't understand. You've been waiting for the kingdom to come and the kingdom has come. I'm standing right in front of you. And guess what? I'm spending time with the widows. You know why? Because that's why I was sent. I'm going to spend time with the lost. I'm going to go over and have a conversation with the woman at the well because I know that she needs me. I'm going to allow a woman to repent at my feet with her tears dripping all over me and wipe my, my, her, my feet with her hair. I'm going to allow that. Why? Because that is the kingdom. So what about the mustard seed growing into a tree or the yeast permeating through the dough? Jesus says in Luke at the end when he breaks the bread in front of his disciples and they're sharing in the Lord's Supper. Listen to this. He says, I will not eat of this again until the kingdom of God has been fulfilled. I will not eat of this again until the kingdom of God has been fulfilled. So hold on a second. So the kingdom has come. But in the Lord's prayer, we hear Jesus praying what your kingdom come, your will be done. Right. So Jesus, to fulfill the law and the prophets, comes as a representative of the kingdom of God and brings the kingdom with him. But there's still something that we're waiting on. The full consummation when the bride, the church, will be reunited with the bridegroom, Jesus, in his second coming. And Jesus says, at that great banquet, I will dine again. Come on now. 
at that great banquet, when the bride and the bridegroom are reunited, that is when I will dine again. So the question becomes for you and I. So, so what does that look like? What does it look like to live and to sit and to experience the kingdom here and now as we hope for and celebrate and wait in anticipation for the kingdom to come? Let me tell you what it looks like. We start celebrating obedience. We start looking at our model, Jesus, who said, you know what? This movement that I've come, it may look like insignificant now to you, but you don't understand. You don't see the big picture. It may look like a mustard seed now. You don't understand. You don't see the big picture. Here in a while, it is going to be a tree from the smallest of seeds. You don't understand. And so you know what you can do? You can follow me. And you can start seeing the things that many of you have seen as insignificant and start escalating them simply because he called you to do it. And so all of a sudden then, the church is celebrating not just times when we don't do the don'ts. You know what I mean? When we don't do the don'ts, we're really quick to like high five each other. Hey dude, way to go. Oh, you didn't kill anyone today. Awesome. You know, we're like giving each other a hug, you know, high fiving one another. Um, what happens when we begin to celebrate when you and I, like we watch someone open a door for someone. What happens when we start encouraging one another in times that seem insignificant? Isn't it interesting that the Jews were telling Jesus that his kingdom was insignificant? And then he flips it and says, no, you're completely missing it. It's like yeast that will work through all the way to the dough. So much so that Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 says, one day, listen, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It seems insignificant to you now. Oh, really? Well, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Church, tonight we have to celebrate God's plan. God's plan. And his plan is that his church will one day be reunited with Him. That is true, His tried, His faithful, the bride, the church of Jesus Christ will be reunited with Him at the great banquet. And in the meantime, He's called us to follow in His footsteps, to love the needy, even when no one is looking. Seeing it as significant because He's called you to do it. Because to that woman, you're showing her a glimpse of the kingdom of God. He's called us, friends, to celebrate obedience. So tonight, we celebrate the obedience of five individuals. And you know what else we do? We start getting honed in on a joyous, zealous, celebrative spirit in this church as we live and experience the kingdom here and now, as we wait and hope for and celebrate the kingdom to come. Let's stand together, friends. If this is but a mustard seed, getting to celebrate lives and getting to watch God move, then can any of you even imagine a mustard seed tree? Or can any of you even begin to grasp yeast working through 50 pounds worth of dough? My friends, we have a lot to look forward to. Amen. We have a banquet where we will be reunited with Jesus for those who believe. We have that to look forward to. But friends, in the meantime, we must pray for encouragement for one another. To begin to see the insignificant as significant. The have-nots as those that should have Jesus. Amen? I just want to encourage you guys right now to grab hands with the person that's next to you. And as a family together, as we close this night in worship, I just want to pray over us that God would give us great strength 
and discernment to experience His kingdom now as we wait for His kingdom to come. Lord Jesus, I pray that we see You as an example, finally. That we'll stop looking to other people for our examples. That we'll look to You as Savior of the universe who didn't have a Savior complex. Look to You and watch how You loved the widows and the hurting. How You spent time in conversation with people, engaging them, asking them questions. God, I pray that You'll help us realize tonight the great call that You have on our lives. And I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, that You will help us celebrate Your great plan. That You would separate us, God, through the law and the prophets and show how much we needed You. That then You would send Jesus as our great Redeemer. And then You would promise that one day we'll be reunited with us. God, I pray that You'll help this church body celebrate who You are. That You've designed it, You've created it, and You've allowed us to be reunited with You through Your Son, Jesus. God, we're grateful and we're thankful. And Lord Jesus... May your kingdom come and your will be done.